Hey everyone, I am so excited that I get to share this international edition of Season 4 of the People of Packaging podcast with Tim Etherington, Judge of Avalon. We talk about labels made from apples and why they chose to orient the text the way they do and how they got into the packaging and why they decided on this particular spirit when they were looking at creating the world's most sustainable spirit. It is an awesome conversation and how appropriate that here in the middle of the Summer Olympics, I get to talk to somebody across the pond in the UK. So I hope that you just love this episode. Make sure that you go to the show notes. You can go to avalenspirits.com, A-V-A-L-L-E-N spirits.com to check out all their whole sustainability report, everything that they're doing. Uh, and you can also connect up with Tim on LinkedIn. He's an awesome guy with a great company and a killer product. So here's my interview with Tim Etherington, Judge from Avalon. All right, so all the way from, I believe the phrase, Tim, is across the pond. Would that be? I think, I think you might be right, yeah. Um, in another time zone, in a galaxy far, far away, uh, we have a multinational People of Packaging podcast episode with Tim Etherington Judge. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, and thank you for nailing my name the first time. That's I, something that not many I, people do. I, I try. I work hard at it. When you do, when you do interview people, you know you kind of have to try to nail it. Although sometimes, you know, you can see behind me. I've got. We've talked about basketball before, but sometimes I'll yeah. be watching like college basketball games, and I'm like, I don't think that the broadcasters did any sort of a background <laughs> check on how to pronounce these kids' names because they'll they'll just butcher them. Um, so you know, I try I try to do what I can. So you're you're let, let's talk about this for a second. Uh, you have uh, so it's so it's a it's a hyphenated last name. Um, it feels yeah. very very royal and and regal. <laughs> um, it's not quite like that. As much as I I would love to uh, over here in the UK, you can actually purchase a lordship um, for about a hundred dollars, where you you own a little tiny about as much land that you could stand on um, but you get to use the title of Lord instead of Mr. or Mrs. Um, so I love the ridiculous idea of calling myself Lord Etherington Judge like out, awesome. out of some sort of uh, uh, Victorian novel but the truth of the matter is why I have this ridiculous surname is um, Etherington was my mother's maiden name um, so when she passed away in 2005 um, out of memory to her because um, I, I was extremely close to my mother. I yeah. took her surname and kind of mashed it together with my, my father's surname to create this uh, this absurd sounding name that a lot of people struggle to pronounce. Um, but it's out of memory to my, my mother that's who great. passed away. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's uh, well, that, that would be noble, right? We can we can say that you are, okay, you, have a, so. you, have a, <laughs> you have nobility in your name. Uh, I I do wish that over here in the U.S., we had a way to just like spend a hundred bucks and call ourselves Lord. Uh, I I went through and I am Reverend, so I can use that title. Ooh. So I'm I'm Reverend Edward Adam Peak, and uh, that's that's fun. 
That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, in the US, they have things like you have some monikers that we don't use, like Junior, and uh, then the numbers, like you know, we don't really have that over here. Mm. Um, so I could be like Tim Etherington Judge, Lord Etherington Judge the Third. That Which really sounds does better. sound ridiculous. Yeah, and oddly <laughs> enough, I am I am the third. So I am the third Edward A. Peak. So my my grandfather was Edward A. Peak. My dad is Edward A. Peak. I'm Edward A. Peak. My oldest son is Edward A. Peak. So I am Reverend Edward A. Peak the third. That's amazing. That, that's what you should put on all of your your formal forms. <laughs> I should. It it actually spells uh, reap, so R E A P, which is AI, which is kind of so you are the, <laughs> the reverend right. reaper. I'm the I'm the right reverend reaper. That which is also a great alliteration and would not be a bad rap name. If you could have any rap name, what what do you think you would go by? This is a critical question for packaging, obviously. Oh oh, this is a question that I've never thought of before. And as someone that's grown, grew up with, with hip hop and used to be a hip hop promoter, you would think that I've thought of this some point before. Have you ever done the Wu-Tang name generator online? Probably at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think you definitely have to have a Lord in it somewhere, wouldn't it? Because I, my, yeah. my posh English background. Uh, I, don't, I, I might have to think about that when I come back to you. Okay. All right. We'll come back to that because this is that's a big that's a big deal. So we we do like to talk about and I want to talk about you and we will certainly get into sustainability when we start talking about Avalon and all the great work that you're doing around not just packaging but the the total product sustainability. Just for people who are like, who is this guy and why is he talking on the podcast? Just let everyone know. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get into that, but I do want to talk about your your history a little bit so uh we now i know and i didn't know this that you were a former hip-hop promoter and mm. uh, i was not aware of that at least i wasn't sure if i was or not not uh, many so, not many people are yeah it was so in the uk i mean in the us a lot of people don't really you know because you have such a great hip-hop scene over there um you may not be aware of the uk's hip-hop scene but we've actually got a really vibrant thriving um scene over here with some really Particularly, I think recently the way that hip hop has entered the mainstream and a lot of what we see now has become very bland, very commercial. Maybe I'm too old to understand mumblecore and, and the, <laughs> the idea of, of rapping so nobody can understand what you're saying. Um, but in it's, the almost UK, like the voice, it's almost like the voice is an instrument, maybe like... Uh like like beatboxing but mumble rap i don't know i don't i can't stand it at all i, I don't get it no yeah um you know so and because it hasn't hit the mainstream over here and because people aren't you know driving lamborghinis and living in 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 big mansions in beverly hills it's still very real and still very kind of mm -hmm. from the street which is where hip-hop came from you know out of the bronx and some of the more deprived areas so it still feels much more like that kind of old school 80s 90s rap where it's real storytelling you know storytelling yeah. from the streets um so we used to put on on acts and, and had some amazing mcs come and perform for us and it's just a really exciting time and i still think the uk hip-hop is far closer to that kind of original storytelling 
um, than the mainstream hip hop that you hear these days. A hundred percent. Give me one. Um, although I would say like Chance and Kendrick over here are still sort of in the, in that mold where they've become mainstream, but they've kept their they've kind of they've kind of kept their their originality, I guess, and their yeah. their ruggedness. Um, but I totally agree with you. I'm not. I mean, I, 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 sadly, or maybe not sadly, sorry, can't Canada, but I don't really know many Drake songs. Um, I can't, and he's like the most. A, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not a Drake fan. I like Logic. I, I really like. Mm -hmm. I think Logic was was that a great great storyteller. Um, yep. Particularly the the mental health one that he did. Um, was the Eminem is the greatest. Right. The greatest storytelling MC of all time, I think. Um, over here, if you want to check out some British guys, there's a guy called Loyal Karner. Okay. Which is L-O-Y-L-E-C-A-R-N-E-R. -E -E um, just a really cool, super laid back storytelling MC. Um, and he gets his mom involved on each album, which is just a beautiful thing. And his mom does like uh, spoken word poetry on his albums. That's it's awesome. Super cool. Um, and then another one to check out is probably my favorite producer of all time called DJ Vadim. So kind of to the UK via Russia, um, but just an amazing producer. That's great. Um, so DJ Vadim versus, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm, uh, we're, we're, I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I'm really... I legitimately just love hip hop. So if you had to uh, take like Eighth Wonder versus DJ Vadim, who do you take? Uh, DJ Vadim every day. Oh man! All right, that's a big, just, that's a high bar for me. For his, uh, just for his, his, uh, his complete creativity. Like it, it's almost as he, he crosses genres. He can mm. produce in so many different styles, and it's always of the ultimate uh, quality. And the way that he is also produced across multiple languages, you know, so he works with Russian artists, with French artists, with African artists, with UK uh, artists, you know, guys from the US. Yeah, just truly, cool. truly awesome. I'm, and I'm he's excited. also done, um, collaborated with probably my favorite band of all time, which is Fat Freddy's Drop from New Zealand. Don't know them, but again, look at, look at us. We are... If you get nothing else from this episode, everybody, you've got some great music to take away. There and you and, and there you're you also go. gonna have, unless you live in the state of Utah, you're also gonna have some great, uh, some a great product to support here as well. So you said Fat Freddy's Drop? Drop, yeah. So they're kind of dub, reggae, soul, jazz band from New Zealand. The most famous band from New Zealand. Right. And after, well, you know, after Flight of the Concords, everyone in the US loves things from New Zealand. So that is true. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. I need to have, I have not yet had Nikki Withington on, but she's a, she's a sustainable packaging consultant in New Zealand. Um, ah, awesome. and so you guys should, I should connect you up with her as well because yeah, she please. does, she does a lot of work around sustainable packaging and, um, also I believe does some work with honey, um, there in oh. New Zealand. So there could be some cool, some cool collaborations. Yeah. You could, you sounds, could DJ Vadim. If Fat Freddy's drop combo from a packaging standpoint, it could be like the the, the Nikki the Nikki Withington and Lord Tim Etherington Judge. 
faux lab. Perfect, perfect. That would be some okay. good sounding packaging. It will be, yeah, it'll be. Uh, so yeah, that's the next opportunity, right? Musical packaging, but not like not like the terrible cards with a really bad speaker in the east to get, you know, and you open the card and it would play like happy birthday in monotone. Yeah. Like, music, musical packaging that, because music puts a smile on people's faces, right? So. It's true, it's true. So you are, what part of the UK are you in? Is that, is that kind of the area that you grew up? Yeah, so I'm about as close as, close as it's possible to get to you without getting wet. So I'm in the extreme west of the UK, okay. um, in a little part of the world called Cornwall, which is a tiny, tiny area that has had an enormous impact on the world. So one of the oldest habited places in the UK, but during the industrial revolution, it was one of the, the centers of the world because almost all of the world's copper and tin came out of mines in Cornwall. Hmm. Um, and if you go back to the kind of 18th, 19th century, copper and tin were as important to society as plastic is today. Right. So this whole area was, well, so now it's a very kind of sleepy tourist area. It's very beautiful, but it's all about the beaches and the tourists. It used to be you know, a hive of industrial activity with all these mines and Actually, you say that the definition of a mine is a hole with a Cornishman at the bottom. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you can travel across the US and find Cornish place names and influence because the miners from Cornwall, kind of, as they, they left the region, their skills were needed all over the world, um, particularly in the US. So you'll find a lot of, of Cornish inspiration across the US. I wonder, it would be interesting to see here in Salt Lake because we have a big mine, uh, I mean, right right outside the city yeah. that, that provides for a lot of jobs here. So I'd be interested to see kind of tracing the, the roots of that back. Yeah, I almost certain you'll find some street names or some, some town names that relate back to Cornwall. Okay. Well, that'll be a fun, uh, that'll be a fun scavenger hunt yeah. for myself and my, and my children. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. And so how did you get into the spirits industry? Like what, what led you from, you're in a, you know, kind of a sleepy tourist town. You love hip hop music, you're producing hip hop music. And then you're like, I have an idea. I need to start one of the world's foremost sustainable spirits brands. So you know, working in the, this part of the world, the earliest, you know, kind of quite often the first job that you're going to get, it will be in hospitality. Um, because in the summer, there's you know, thousands of restaurants and bars. So you end up working in there and, and ended up working behind a bar, kind of finding my way there, really enjoying it. And then when my mother passed away in 2005, um, it, for me, it was the freedom to go and travel because I was extremely close to my mother, so I never wanted to kind of be too far away for too long. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the, the opportunity to go and travel. So I bought a one-way plane ticket to New Zealand, hence where I, I discovered Fat Freddy's Drop. Okay. Um, and really got involved in the cocktail world. So I got myself a job at a top cocktail bar in New Zealand, um, and then discovered that there is this world of professional bartending that can take you all over the world, they have competitions. Um, so, so 
really got heavily involved in that and and eventually found my way worked to a job with Diageo, which is the world's biggest spirits company. Yep. Um, as a brand ambassador. So I had this job where I was kind of traveling the world, teaching people how to drink whiskey. Um, and the brand that I looked after was um, Bullet, Bullet Bourbon. Yep. Um, so I spent a lot of time in Kentucky, been to the US a lot more. I think I've been to the US more than any other country in the world. Okay. Um, and then, so kind of did six, six and a half years working for Diageo, um, kind of helping build spirits brands, um, particularly Bullet. And then left, left Diageo in 2016 after um, a personal breakdown um, and suicide attempt. Mm. Um, in part caused by kind of this, this crazy lifestyle that I was living um, and took a break from, from everything. Um, started a company called Healthy Hospo, which was all about trying to improve the health and wellness of people who work in hospitality. Um, but in the back of my mind, always kind of wanted to do a brand that's been so long working on brands. Never really interested in opening a bar or, or a restaurant. Um, and then I was in Amsterdam doing some work and I missed my flight back to London. Um, so I called up my now business partner and said, Hey Steph, can I, can I crash at yours tonight? Because, you know, I missed my flight. She's like, yeah, yeah come over. So when I, we had dinner, a couple of bottles of wine, started chatting. Um, Steph and I had worked together at Diageo and we left around the same time and she'd set up her own company and, and she was talking about a brand that she wanted to start. Um, and I said, you know, like I'd really have to get a, do a brand as well. So why don't we look at doing something together? Hmm. Um, and then we, we kind of threw around some ideas. One, one thing that we'd seen a lot of, we'd seen a lot of friends start brands. Um, and we always kind of thought of them as not vanity projects are the, is the wrong word, but we wanted to do something that had a real purpose, you know, rather right. than going, Oh, we, we made a rum because we really like to drink rum. It's like, we want to do something that has a real, real purpose and, and tries to make the world a better place. Yeah. So he said, said, you know, what's the biggest problem facing society at the moment? And it's, pin it down to kind of climate change and catastrophic biodiversity loss. And um, so can we use our skills, our experience and our knowledge to try and do a little bit to address those problems? Sure. And that's where we, we came up with the idea of creating the world's most um, planet positive spirits brand. Um, and it also, the other thing that was really great about doing that was you know, we spent six years at Diageo each working for other brands and not being true to ourselves. You know, it was working on other brands, take your paycheck, but you have to do what someone else wants you to do. Whereas we were really keen to create a product that was very true to who we are, who we were as people. You know, so for myself, I've been campaigning on environmental issues since I was a teenager. Chaining myself to gas pumps and planting trees and protesting and um, and all this kind of stuff. And Steph is extremely close to to nature. You know, she grew up in rural France on a vineyard. 
So for her, like terroir and the land is super important. Mm -hmm. um, so when we created Avalon, it allowed us to bring bring our personalities into the project as well. Yeah. So that was a kind of a whistle stop tour as to why we did it. Um, and then all the fun stuff starts happening, right? It's like, right, how, how are we going to do this? Um, which is where the real fun begins. Yeah, definitely. And, and Steph is, she's in France now, correct? She, that's where she Am lives. Amsterdam. She lives oh, in Amsterdam. She's in Amsterdam. Uh, okay. Her father is a winemaker um, in Burgundy, in the south of France. Got it. And so where, where are you, where does your, well, tell us about your product. Um, I mean, the story is there, there's a lot there. Right. And, and I can, I can yeah. already tell you have, you have an extreme connection to story, which is, which is so important, right? You've mentioned it a few times from yep. hip hop music being storytelling from the street to this is the MC that I like, cause they do a great job telling stories and your, your clear passion for, you know, not just your own family, but also to help others go, you know, survive, uh, you know, difficult times. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned logic and, you know, so there's, there's, there's a, there's, there's a high level of importance on not just story, but people connections, right? You, you strike yeah, me as somebody absolutely. who's really, who's really um, passionate about that. And that's the whole point of this podcast yeah. is to, is to kind of connect with people. So, um, you know, how, how does your, how do you really feel like, first of all, what is Avalon? I realized we haven't even really talked about what the product you have is, and then how do you tie all this stuff together, um, through, you know, kind of telling the story, whether it's through digital or it, also the packaging obviously has to be a big part of that. Yeah. So Avalon is our attempt to create the world's most planet positive spirits brand. Um, we, we started, we are quite fortunate because we started with a blank sheet of paper. You know, when it comes to a lot of sustainability these days, it's companies trying to retrofit sustainability yeah. to their existing production processes, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's reducing their CO2 emissions, reducing their water usage, increasing recycled materials, but very few companies are really willing to take a long, hard look at their production processes. Um, so we started from a blank sheet of paper and we said, right, if we're going to do this, we need to go right back to the, to the beginning of, you know, of, of producing alcohol, back to the genesis, um, which is the raw material that it's grown from. You know, all alcohol mm -hmm. starts, with the, maybe the exception of air company vodka, all alcohol starts life uh, in, an ag in a farm, you know, whether it's an orchard, an agave field, um, you know, a vineyard, you know, cornfield. So we went back and we said, right, what's the best raw material to make alcohol from? Not from a price point of view or a cost perspective, but from an environmental mm -hmm. um, cost. And we looked at all the major kind of raw materials, so cereal grains, we looked at agave, we looked at sugarcane, we looked at grapes, um, and apples came out on top every time. Right. So they, the apple trees sequester CO2 from the atmosphere and lock it away into the, their trunks and their roots and the soil. Um, requires very little water usage to process. There's no irrigation of the apple trees. Um, 
from a biodiversity point of view, they're fantastic because the apple trees support a wide range of pollinators. Um, hmm. Where we get our apples from are grown in very traditional orchards as well. Um, so you've got the hedgerows around the outside, the grass in between, which is fantastic. Then finally, from a pesticide and fertilizer point of view, there's almost zero pesticide and fertilizer use hmm. in these traditional orchards um, because they are nat such natural systems. Um, and then once we knew we had to use apples, it was a very simple step to go, right, now we need to do a Calvados, which is um, kind of France's apple version of cognac. Okay. You know, so it's, it's a, a protected region, uh, an apple brandy. It's protected by region, protected by, by kind of very strong production rules and regulations. Um, so if you imagine cognac, but made with apples instead of grapes, that's kind of what Calvados is. Got it. Um, and yeah, that was it. That was right. We're going to do a Calvados, um, which is really kind of us covering the environmental impact of the the agricultural side to create the liquid. Right. Um, and then when it comes down to the packaging, um, then that is, you know, there's a lot of um, stuff that we can do there as well. So for us, it was, we wanted to be just, transparent as possible across everything we do right and try and embed sustainability into every single decision that we make in the company um so you know we talked about storytelling there's so many stories that we can tell about what we do at avalon um because we took the decision right at the start as one of our kind of guiding um things for the business is that we said uh, every every decision we make at the for the business, we will ask the question: Is this the most sustainable option we can have? Hmm. So, for example, our bottle is the lightest bottle that we could um, find in France. So, we wanted to use a local producer um, to cut down on, on the transportation costs. Is it a glass and bottle? Then it had, yes. Okay. At the moment, we are um, using a glass bottle, which is. And you can't see that on the podcast, but um, that's right. It's, yeah, it's so it's a glass bottle. It, it weighs uh, 520 grams. So it's about yeah. as light as glass bottles can get um, for spirits. It's local. Um, it's not the only bottle we're going to be using, but it was the, the starting point. Um, sure. The spirits world is a bit funny in that we still use glass because it's a terrible material to use. You know, if we look at it, it's super fragile it's yep. really heavy has high levels of embodied carbon dioxide um, and uses a lot of energy to recycle mm -hmm. um, so it's not, not an ideal material to, to transport liquids around in sure um, but people like the, the feel of it it has this kind of uh, image of quality particularly weight right people love heavy things you know there's that whole yeah. thing of, of heaviness portrays the the impression of luxury so you'll yep. see a lot of brands now with those big glass wedges in the bottom of their bottles yep which serve no purpose but to make the bottle heavier and feel more luxurious right um, which, so which is you know I, sorry but the the idea and we've talked about this before on the on the podcast but you're kind of touching on the 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 totality of sustainability is I think people want to make it 
very like black and white. And even with, you know, your, yourself and Steph who are clearly putting sustainability at the forefront. I mean, it is the, it is the, it's, it's not just like a checkbox, right? It's the, yeah. it's the environment. It's the playground in which you want to play. It's all of it. Right. Yeah. It's everything. And, and, it's our, and, it's our guiding business ethos. Correct. And even, even in the midst of that, part of that is, yeah, but are people going to buy it? There is like this consumer engagement of, well, you know, if we're going to, we're going to have to charge because we're going to put so much emphasis on the, you know, where the apples are grown and how it's processed. And, you know, so that's going to create a very premium product because you can't just go buy the cheapest of whatever it is. Right. And then put it into the most sustainable packaging because that wouldn't, you'd be doing it, it would be a net negative potentially, or in all likelihood, it would be a negative environmentally, right? Even though the packaging was really great. Yeah, so it's, that's an interesting point because what we found is, so if you look, you know, if you look at a typical back bar in your, in your favorite bar, you'll see a lot of bottles and you'll see a lot of very fancy heavy bottles. Yep. Um, and those bottles are not cheap. Correct. Um, not cheap. So if you know, if you look at the price of the product, quite often you will find products on your on your back bar where the bottle costs more than the liquid oh, that's yeah. inside it. Hundred um, percent. And for us, it was like that is the complete wrong way around to do this because mm-hmm. the bottle is the bit that you you discard, right? You put it in the recycling, maybe you use it again, but it's it's not the bit you consume. So why? spend most of the money on the packaging and not on the product mm-hmm. whereas well, we because, wanted to because con- sorry i mean the the sad reality is that it's it's because you it's well consumers right i mean there's a there's a there is an aspect of like you touched on if you get a i mean you could put your same product potentially into a totally different packaging format that doesn't quote feel premium, you know, and people won't pay for it or they won't yeah. recommend it. Or, and so that, that was kind of my point was even, even within your world and your ecosystem and your passion, there's, there's always going to be an element of, well, there has to be an element of consumer behavior as it pertains to sustainability and that's yeah. the thing that's the hardest. I would imagine that's one of the hardest things to design for, right? Is I, yeah, because the masses are not going to care about it on the same level as you will. No, you're exactly right, and I think that's where smart design has to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you look at the cow, the category that we play in, the bottles, seventy uh, percent of of all cowados comes in the same bottle, um, and it's all very traditional kind of calligraphy and pictures of cast the chapeaus on the on the bottles and it's all a bit rubbish um so we really wanted to shake that up and use modern design um so the, the bottle that we use is actually not only the lightest bottle we could get our hands on which is great for the embodied carbon dioxide mm-hmm. and numbers it's it's lighter to ship it uses less glass it's also great for bartenders because you know as bottles have got heavier and heavier and heavier Bartenders are suffering from RSI problems more and more him to lift the bottles up kind of right. 300 times a night. And we also found it was super cheap. It was also the cheapest bottle that the company did. So yeah. like, this is 
this is like all the wins for us. Right, this is right. Like everything we wanted in a bottle. And then, but it's a fairly bland bottle, right? It doesn't have, you know, it's not a custom bottle. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles as some other beautiful packaging. So then the challenge for us is how do we utilize design to create a, a product, a packaging um, aesthetic that is really desirable to people? Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that we did, we sat down, I sat down in, in a bar and took a lot of bars. I spent a lot of time sitting at bars, staring at the back bars. Right? So you're staring at a wall of booze and you've got a few hundred bottles mm -hmm. all trying to compete for your attention. And the one thing that really stood out to me was, if you, and you can go and, and try this if you go, go to your local bar tonight, um, almost every bottle you'll find on the bar writes their brand name horizontally. Hmm. Yeah, if you look at a bottle, bottles are vertical. Vertical, yeah. Taller than they are wide. So you are having to squish your brand name down your 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 logo or your 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 name down really small to fit it in that horizontal. So it, and when you're sitting and you know you're a few feet away from the bottle, it becomes much more difficult to read. Right. So our solution to this is like, why don't we just write the name vertically? Because it means that we can have a much bigger font on the front mm -hmm. of the label. So people can it will stand out. And it's really disruptive because no one else is doing this. Right. Um, so for us, you know, it was using design, like clever design and really thinking, trying to think, you know, differently um, to create that aesthetic that, that is quite visually appealing to people yeah. rather than spending all the money on some sort of fancy bottle design that, that is going to cost, pushes the price of the product up. Um, and may not be so sustainable. So that's how we did it. We, and then we also kind of, there's some little bits around it. So the paper that we used um, is made partly from, from waste apples. Yeah. Yeah. You, I remember you were telling me about that. I was going to ask you that is yeah. that's people love it. <laughs> I mean, what a, but what a, what a cool, like, I mean, just what a cool part of your story, right? That it's not like you had to go out and like you said, like custom make some kind of, apple pulp paper it was wasn't it your you were sitting there with your label supplier and yep. you know she or he said oh hey by the way i'm not sure if you're interested but we have this stock and you're like like the record setter hang yeah, on what was yeah, that exactly. <laughs> yeah they, they gave us a whole heap of different paper you know we sent off a brief for what we wanted and they were like this paper's made from recycled um wood fibers this paper's made from recycled sugar yeah pre pressed sugarcane like Trois Riviera rum use that one this this one's made from that and then they're like oh this one's made from apples and we're like what excuse me stop <laughs> that's the one we want <laughs> um, and, and then they were and like, I will oh, say I will say yeah. to my fellow to my fellow label because I work in the label printing industry yeah. right like um it, it it could be really helpful to just do like a modicum of of research because that, that probably would have been like yeah number one like hey we got these other options but there's one that's made from recycled or from the, you know, from the apple pulp. So, uh, I'm, and it's this, yeah, the single most popular thing about our bottle is, you know, we've had a lot of articles written about our sustainability and the, you know, we're now climate positive. We donate to, you know, thousands to, to be charities. We do all sorts of stuff, but the one thing that always gets published is that our labels are made from apples. 
Yeah, that's People awesome. People love it. People yeah. love well, it. Well, it's and, it's great because it, it you know it just it's a good story. It it's connected to the brand. Obviously, there's it's such it's such an awesome win that uh, I mean there's there's I'm excited as a label guy. I'm just like, wow, that's really cool. I didn't even know until I talked to you that there was a label yeah. substrate that was made from the pulping process of yeah, right. Like um, that's, yeah, that's I was pretty, pretty cool. happy about that. And then um, there's some other little things like, you know, one of the big things around sustainability and packaging for us is uh, removing process as much as possible. Um, you know, it comes from that first principles thinking of, of the best solution is, is no solution. Right. Yeah, the best packaging you know, so, is no packaging. Yeah, exactly. You know, so if we can reduce processes wherever possible or remove process, that is always going to be the best option. Yeah. Um, you know, so for our, our cork is completely unvarnished, undyed. Um, our shipper, that the bottles come in, is a monochrome print because that has a very slightly um, better environmental footprint than a full color print. Um, we don't use any, and you know, we shunned any metallic foils and inks. Mm -hmm. um, for the label which are highly used in the drinks industry oh, because yeah. they do grab your attention um but how so cool though that you, you that you took that idea of like we're trying to grab attention and again because your your first lens that you're viewing it through is is sustainability to just go and spend the time it's easy i mean i don't want to say it's easy to just like slap some foil stamps on some labels but they do like we're we yeah, are we we are naturally like whoa that that looks really i was at a, a facility that does um like variable foil printing and i was like whoa that's pretty cool because it, it just it just does it does grab our eye but that you took that and said we still want to do that we still need to get people's attention but why don't we do it in a way that's still on brand with us you know so part of that is like we're going to remove process adding foil is going to add a process so why don't we reorient our name i think it's genius yeah, we reoriented and then we also embossed it. So, and that embossing gives you that in the right light, a little reflect, you know, it does give it a little bit of texture, makes it stand out just a little bit, but obviously it's a, it's a far less damaging uh, process than using foils. Um, and then we cool. also shun, you'll see almost all spirits brands will have a plastic shrimp, shrink wrap and mm -hmm. um, tamper proof seal. So we also shunned that because I, I don't believe that, that you know, the whole plastic debate is quite uh, nuanced, but single use kind of plastics that have no real purpose for, for being needed um, should be eliminated. And those ones on tops of bottles, I think should go. So we use a paper tamper proof yeah. seal um, over the top of our bottle, same apple paper, same apple paper right? as our label. So. That's really cool. Uh, well, Tim, we're, we're kind of getting here to the end. So uh, I, I do, I, well, I have a couple questions. Have you put any more thought to your hip hop name? That would yes. be, okay. So I'm going to call myself TEJ1. TEJ1. Which is my initials. Yeah. One, And it's a tribute to probably my favorite MC of all time, just KRS-One. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you about KRS one when you said that because you said that Eminem was the greatest storyteller of all time, and I may throw 
like Rockham or KRS-One into the conversation, just as a like, hey, maybe we should consider some of these guys. Ah, uh, totally. I mean, Rakim, Rakim was, uh, you know, he changed the game for everyone. Yeah. You know, and KRS-One just brought that that fire and that, uh, you know, and, and what, you know, what hip hop was really about, you know, it's like trying to change something. Yep. You know, it was like trying to use music to change the world for the better. Yeah. And when you think about it, my buddy, my buddy told me, he said, hip hop is the greatest like flip of all time where it started off as in a really short period of time. It went from this like rugged from the streets, like sub sub genre from, you know, from the Bronx and then Brooklyn and Harlem to when I was in Africa seeing this was in like 2000 and uh 10 when i was in rwanda in like the 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 just like the sticks of rwanda where they hadn't even seen like a white person for 25 years you see pictures in these like thatched roof huts of like eminem and dr dre and i was like whoa the reach of hip-hop from like the mid 80s to the mid 2000s is is incredible to think about what it's done so uh Hundred percent, and the way it was, you know, and if you look at how it defines certain historical moments of the modern era as well, you know, yep. the LA riots and NWA being like a, a very visual one. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 right there for sure. Uh, my my last question, and this is right. maybe one of the most important questions that you can answer, is. How do people get in touch with you and buy your stuff? Because you, the more more people that are supporting carbon positive, sustainable brands, I think the more obviously the 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 better it is for our environment. And and you also have a really great product. So uh, how do people go about? Um, uh, so you can find us at avalenspirits.com, which is A V A L E N. I guess you'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, I will. Um, and also on our website, you can find out about everything we do. You know, we try and be as transparent as possible. So you can, we produced our a Be More report, which is our version of our sustainability report, which has all of the information about everything we do um, on there. Um, we, so I guess the, the majority of your listeners are, are US based. Uh, yeah, it would be the majority of our listeners, but we do, we are in like 64 countries now. So that's exciting. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Um, so we are distributed around the world. Um, we're still working on the US at the moment. As you know, it's, it's a pretty complicated market. Yeah. And yeah. So definitely. Hopefully 2022, we will have plenty of, of distribution in the US, but you can find us if you're in the UK, France, Spain, Ireland, Australia, um, Hong Kong, Canada, um, cool. the Nordics, Netherlands, we're going to Costa Rica. Um, so the best way is to check out the website. There are a few, um, some the Whiskey Exchange, we're on sale there and they do global shipping. So if you really want to get your, ha- get a hand, get your hands on a bottle, okay. um, that's a platform that will ship globally. Cool. I will throw as much of that into the show notes as i can so yeah. everyone... and we're on we're on all the socials so avalanche spirits on instagram and all that kind of stuff so. got it on myspace can i find you on myspace 
<laughs> I probably still have a MySpace profile. I, uh, you and you and Tom are still hanging out. Uh, yeah. Well, Tim, I, I really appreciate the time. It was uh, it was it's been a pleasure. Yeah, great to know more about you and the brand, and um, you know, hopefully, this is the start of. Uh, I, I have a feeling there's going to be a time. At least I hope that there's a time when I'm like, I had that guy on my podcast because your because your brand is changing. You know how how people think about spirits. So I'm I'm excited oh, to watch so. watch you guys grow. I hope so. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I think yeah. Fingers crossed. You know, it's been a fun adventure so far. We're only two years old. Um, there's still a long way to go, but we can have a positive impact and, and give people a product that they can really enjoy drinking whilst having a a positive impact on the planet then it's got to be a good thing right yep 100 percent. well thanks sam appreciate it uh, no worries thanks well that is it for another episode of the people of packaging podcast thanks for listening it would mean so much to us if you would like and share and subscribe to this podcast we want as many people to know about the incredible people that we have in the packaging industry because we believe that packaging is Awesome. Thanks again.